don't know, but you look very glam right now. Oh, thank you. Lounging back, mic in hand, fan. (laughs) I'm very comfortable. (laughs) This, this whole, hold, again, hold this microphone. Mm Mm-hmm. You are you got I've a little been, wild with it. I but. talk with my hands. <laughs> I'm a very animated person at times. <laughs> and so I will be adjusting accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> but I really appreciate that I can just like stick a leg up in the air or Look like at fab. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a little warm but comfortable. Mm-hmm. Can you hear that? Or is that good? The gentle br- the gentle yes. breeze of my of my Marie Antoinette fan that I <laughs> just assumed Danny Sorry. was gonna fucking walk out into the other room to get it because uh, hello do you see how in position I am so my little like the other fan <laughs> is in the other room in this place <laughs> it was what ha- how it went down yes Cassie found a fan for me. My rainbow fan. Yes, I was flapping away, and mm-hmm. Cassie also wanted one, but couldn't remember where the second fan was. Yes. And then the second she remembered, no words, turned, <laughs> made eye contact with Danny, and was like, it's over in, in the living room, in a box. <laughs> and then Kiana went, yeah, I do that to Zeth, too. <laughs> Just assume he's going to go and get it. <laughs> and then I went and got it. She did. Because it's my savior. You will not sweat. I will not. You will not. You will. I will. That's <laughs> Let's inevitable. I am. I will more, but mm-hmm. at least my my face and my neck, and my décolletage oh. will be <laughs> décolletage. Décolletage <laughs> is cool. There's a breeze mm-hmm. because while I do love the podcast dome, it does get a little. It's a little warm in here today. Mm-hmm. We're approaching summer in the time-space continuum, unless it is summer. What day is it? What? Where are we? We when this comes out, it'll be like the middle of July. No, but like right now, Jul- June twelfth. Yeah, is it summer? No, not yet. Okay. Technically, <laughs> technically, we got ten more days. <laughs> I used to go by the weather, but uh-huh. you can't trust that nowadays. You sure fucking can't. Thanks, climate change. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh. Kiana. You're Kiana. Mm-hmm. I'm Cassie. Hello, Cassie. This is That Broad's Got Moxie. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you something funny? Mm-hmm. So the other day. You can I, try. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I tried to make a friend. Oh. But I don't think it worked. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what happened was, <laughs> I was driving and charging my phone in the car, as one does on their lunch break. Mm-hmm. And I happened to drive past this little Fiat that was like Barbie pink. Cute. And I was um, into it. And they had a bunch of cute stickers on their back window. Mm -hmm. And there was one that said, like, I'm so gay I can't even drive straight. And that was fun. All in (laughs) rainbow letters. There was like a unicorn and something else. And I was like, I'm going to be friends with these people. Because also I'm on the phone with Danny Mm -hmm. having this conversation. I was like, I want to be friends with them. Maybe I should like leave them a note. <laughs> and Danny goes, why don't you? So I was like, okay. So I went around the store one more t- Like I drove around the block one more time, mm-hmm. found a piece of paper and a Sharpie and wrote them a note that basically was just love your car, love your vibe. You seem fun. Let's be friends. Mm-hmm. And then told them to find me on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> they have not. And I'm a little sad about it. <laughs> And I was like, I put myself out there trying to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You can't be that upset. It could be a rental. <laughs> and they just really decked it out for the 24 hours they're going to have it. Yeah. <laughs> also, heretofore, if there's ever a pink Fiat to rent somewhere, you uh, bet your sweet ass that's a car. Then I'm going to be like, yes, please. I would like that one. The least amount of trunk space, best gas mileage, and most flair. Do you want to start a car rental company together where we just get cars that are extra? Extra, yes. Is that a good idea? I think so. Yeah. I can't afford a car. No. (laughs) So there's the end of that. All right. Well, anyway, we're here. Mm -hmm. We're hot. Yeah. We're 
<laughs> we're gonna tell you some stories of some moxie broads and you're gonna go first this week right i sure am excellent thank you who are you talking about this week well i'm gonna talk about annie patchen oh okay yes yes, yes. who is that i wonder well first <laughs> i'm gonna tell you my sources okay I've been spending a lot of time on rejected princesses, I guess. <gasps> oh, yeah. Remember? Yes. And that's where I found the story about this woman. Excellent. And then I also got some information from Tricycle. Or, okay, so Tricycle is the name of the website. Okay. <laughs> she, Annie doesn't have anything to do with the Tricycle. <laughs> it's a Tricycle in memoriam, Annie Patchen. 1933 to 2002 by Adelaide Donnelly. Wikipedia was another source. And then also her obituary in the New Zealand Herald. Um, some trigger warning, torture, war, murder, Fuck. death. Jesus. Which all, like all, I could have just said war and we could have yeah, extrapolated. Yeah. But let's settle in for a good time then, everyone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I specifically saved her for going first because I was like, oh, hopefully Cassie will bump it up at the end. <laughs> Bring up the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bring up the mood. Mm -hmm. So Annie was born in 1933 in eastern Tibet. Mm. Uh, she was the only child of the chieftain of the Lemda clan. Um, and her mother was also there. <laughs> She's present. Yes. There's this very irritating thing that happens when doing research like yep. this. Where they give the father's name. Uh -huh. And then they're like, and her mom. And then even if her, mo her mom, in this case... Mm -hmm. Is there throughout her life? Like, she gets brought up again and again? Yeah. No name. No name. N nothing about her. Just, she's just a presence. Yes. Just her but mother. she doesn't get anything. Yeah. Yep, I find that all the time. That would be <laughs> fucking crazy. It's so irritating. So anyways, I'm not even going to say her dad's name. Oh. <laughs> that's I'm right. sick of it. You show them who's it's boss. mom and dad. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, being the only child of a chieftain, kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. When she was eight years old, she was initiated into the deity practice of Dorje Pupura. Purba. Not, not poo, pur. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, which means thunderbolt nail. <laughs> okay. It's a Buddhist practice. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> I should have just said Buddhist. Mm -hmm. But it is a specific... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which... Okay. The whole intention of it is to obliterate the minions of aggression by plunging the self-existent dagger of non-duality into the heart of hatred wherever it hides and whomever hides it within themselves. That's my life's motto. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Way to sum it up. Yeah. That's So that's what she's all about. Okay. At eight years old, this is what she starts to learn. Damn. She's a pretty non-eventful early childhood mm -hmm. beyond that. When she was 17, she found out that her father was trying to marry her off, mm -hmm. which she was much, much unhappy about. Understandable. <laughs> uh, she saw that marriage didn't really work well for her mother, who was having her own. So with her mom, she had fertility issues, which is why Annie it was the only child. Oh, okay. But her father did remarry another woman because he wanted more children uh-huh but she was also infertile so yeah. which thinking about this now maybe it's him maybe weird <laughs> whose problem is this really yeah mm? so she was like eh, that's not great i don't really want to be married and her aunt at one point had said notably quote once one is wed there is no turning back the path is full of sorrow you hear that love <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so to <laughs> she didn't have great thoughts on marriage. Yeah. And so she decided to run away to a monastery and become a nun. Sweet. Nah. She doesn't get there. Ah. Uh. So, yet. So she thought the best way to complete this task was to manipulate a family servant into helping her run away by threatening suicide if she didn't help. Oh. Healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. And yeah. so she was on her way to the monastery. She was on the road for a few days before... Other servants from her family home caught up to her and were like, hey, your dad's going to annul the arrangement. Yeah. Uh -huh. So come back home. And so she did. And he did. The, oh. oh, okay. To the father's credit, he did a lot of work undoing the engagement. Well, that's good. At least he didn't try to fucking like hoodwink her. Yeah. 
that would be devastating and shitty yeah well it wouldn't be the worst thing to happen to her <laughs> yeah <laughs> her clearly life. son of a bitch yeah so 1951 rolls around and something very big happened the 14th dalai lama which is the one we know of today okay alive in the leader of the tibetan people mm-hmm. signed the 17 point agreement for the peaceful liberation of tibet which is the title of the document, and it gave the People's Republic of China sovereignty over Tibet. That sounds bad. Yeah. They don't... There's a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know anything about anything you just said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that sounds like a bummer for the people of Tibet. Yeah, you're right. Okay. (laughs) Woo! Um, And also, it's Def believed that the document was signed under duress oh Um, yeah that sounds pretty apropos (laughs) yeah (laughs) and even if it wasn't done without the dalai lama's consent like if nobody was in the room Uh it was done without the people's consent gotcha and her father was like um yeah bad shit is about to happen so we got to train you up oh to annie so for the next few years she sat in on her father's administrative meetings with local chieftains and also learned things like riding horses and shooting guns Uh, She also spent some time in 1954 with her mother in a monastery. So she she is a dedicated Buddhist Uh and wants to spend her life doing Buddhist things. Yes. Meditating, Mm -hmm. becoming wiser and better, being at peace with yourself, being mindful. Yeah. All those things. So she got to do the study on her own. And then at the request of her father, she returned home from her studies and continued to learn about, like, chiefly duties. Uh-huh. Throughout this time, the People's Republic of China were, in an understatement, very unchill. Mm-hmm. Their armies were basically terrorizing the people of Tibet in order to gain control over the region. Uh, there were instances where soldiers would beat Tibetan priests, urinate on them, and then ride them like animals. Oh, Jesus. Uh, they desecrated and ransacked the monasteries, taking everything of value they could before, like, setting them on fire. Of course. Mm-hmm. Just ravaging the place. Yeah. Land or- oh. Landowners were being murdered. Many rebellions were popping up mm-hmm. all over the place. In 1956, this all came to a boiling point when the Chinese military sent bomber planes to destroy the monastery in Lithang. This mobilized tens of thousands of Tibetans to form an armed resistance while taking refuge in the surrounding mountains of the area. And a coalition of all of the, like, villages and clans would merge with other clans of Tibet to form the... Chushi Gangdruk Resistance Group. Okay. Mm-hmm. Annie's father played a big role in this. And she was studying under him about this Tibetan resistance mm-hmm. while also still really dedicating herself to Buddhist pacifism, which is a hard... That seems like a real <laughs> tough dichotomy to try and, like, find yourself in. Yeah. Ooh, exactly. man. And unfortunately, her father was also growing weaker, uh-huh. which is why he was so insistent on her taking his yeah. place. Yeah. And in 1958, he got really sick and died. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't have a leader. And Annie was like, this is a point where I got to make a choice. Yeah. <laughs> She's come to the fork in the road. <laughs> exactly. And then she was like, well, I can be a warrior nun. Fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> so that's what she did. She was Excellent. like, okay, from now on, my title is war- The Warrior Nun. Oh my gosh, this sounds like a great movie. Right. It would be a sad movie. Very sad. War- <laughs> Very sad. Yeah, but it would be a great story. It would be. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. At first, she had some issues with others respecting her position of power, but ultimately won the respect later. In the Rejected Princess story about her, it brought up this one really difficult instance of her father's old ally not respecting her, not showing up to meetings, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so she had to make an example out of him. Uh Uh-oh. Or she decided to make an example out of him. Uh Uh-huh. And so she had one of her servants whip the man. Uh Uh-huh. And she really regretted it. Yeah. And was hoping to, like... She, there's a story that her stepmother, her father's second wife, oh, okay, uh-huh. she had asked her to uh-huh. like storm in 
and make a scene and like beg for forgiveness for the ally. Uh huh. But then she didn't. And so they just had to go forward with it. <laughs> and she was really sad about it because this was like her first choice of violence. Yep. After deciding not to stick so rigidly to the Buddhist life. Yeah. In 1959, she led 600 resistance fighters to join together with other Tibetan clans. And at this time, she found out there was a plan by the Chinese military to attack her home, like her hometown. Um, Upon hearing this news, (laughs) she put her Crocs into sport mode (laughs) and returned to warn her family and gather valuables. Oh, my gosh. I did right... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we talked about sport mode in the last episode. Yes. If you if you didn't hear it, please go listen to the last episode <laughs> so you can hear Kiana's explanation of just what exactly that is. Mm-hmm. It's very important and visual. So yeah. use your imagination. <laughs> I wrote that down. <laughs> I love that you wrote that down. You were like, oh, this is going to be good. Sport mode. <laughs> The next course of action now that her crocs were in sport mode was to meet up with the principal resistance group, which is the Chushi Gang Dirk, the the people I mentioned earlier. Thousands of families joined her group as they made their way to Lysa, which is the city, Mm -hmm. after joining the earlier resistance fighters. So she left, went home, brought back people. She aided in dividing the refugees into smaller, less visible groups. And oh, that's smart. Organized and dispatched defensive patrols and actively engaged in armed warfare with CIA backing. <gasps> because the CIA has to go everywhere and be Fucking in the business a. of everybody. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. It was just for a very short period of time at this point. Or, like, in the grand scheme of things, they had the support from the CIA for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. At first, the uprising consisted of mostly peaceful protests, but clashes quickly erupted and the Chinese People's Liberation Army, the PLA for short, eventually used force to put down the protesters. Most notably, on March 10th, 1959, the rebellion exploded into a fully-fledged uprising in Lysa in 1959. In case you didn't know. Fuck. 1959, because I did say it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Beginning and end. Keep notes. We're going to test you later. (laughs) On March 23rd, the city, unfortunately, was fully taken. Oh, man. The last stages of the uprising included heavy fighting with high civilian and military losses, and the exact number of deaths is disputed because probably wasn't great record keeping in that instance. Mm -hmm. Things still weren't going very well until late 1959, and the group found out that the Chushi gang jerks them, Mm -hmm. they were defeated. So that was, like, the bulk of the Tibetan rebellion. Yeah. Um, And they decided that the best course of action was to flee to India. So they traveled for 25 days on foot, many dying along the way, until they were captured by Chinese forces. So they didn't make it. Oh, no. Since she was the chief, they tried to get her to escape. But she very pointedly was like, I'm staying with everybody else. Because she was dedicated to yeah. people. You don't go through all of that and lead these people into what ultimately did not end well for their team mm-hmm. and then just be like, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So around 300 refugees, her mother, her aunt, and her were all captured at this time. Mm-hmm. And remember, they started like 600 people. Gosh. They were taken to a nearby abandoned village, bunch of houses, and for a week, Annie was being interrogated and beaten there. Once they were ready to move them away from this, like, temporary holding place, they released many of the women, children, and elderly people and took the rest, including Annie, to a collection center Mm -hmm. where she was held, interrogated, and tortured for a month. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, this is all (laughs) bad news bears. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Buckle up. Fuck. After she was taken to a monastery that was converted to a Chinese prison, for the next 10 months, she was again interrogated and tortured. Through all this time, she has not said anything. Damn. Frustrated with her silence, she was put into leg irons, which wouldn't be removed for a whole year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
When she wasn't beaten, she was left in crowded cells, quote, awash with lice. And the only thing really providing her with solace at this point was her religion. So I didn't write this down, but like she wouldn't even kill the lice Uh on her body because she was like, no violence. I am at peace. (laughs) Wow. That's, oh, shit. This continued from 1961 to 1963. And in 1963, she was moved to another prison where, quote, those considered guilty of the most serious crimes were sent. Great. So, like, way better treatment than at the last several places. Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) What could go wrong? Oh, boy. Here it was the same old, same old. Same old. You know, the ish. Torture, interrogation, all that. And on top of that, she was actually held in isolation for nine months after an off. They so these were basically like retraining camps. Yep, yeah. And so she was told to denounce her religion mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And she was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she was put in isolation. Gotcha. She was obstinate. Mm-hmm. Good word. I'm just. Let me go. <laughs> I know words. <laughs> and I'm going to read a quote from her oh, about okay. her time because she, she dictated her story. Oh, wow. So, quote, in solitary isolation, when I wasn't praying and prostrating, I was depressed. When I wasn't depressed, I was angry. To deal with the anger, I began to visualize. There is no distinction between friend and foe. It is important to treat them the same. Your enemy is your teacher. I visualized my father on my right side, my mother on my left, and our great enemy, Chairman Mao Zedong, in front of me. My father was there to give me strength and courage, my mother to give me tenderness and caring. Mao Zedong was there because in all the world, I could not think of no one more sinful. He had caused thousands of temples to be destroyed through his policies. Thousands of lamas lost their lives. Tens of thousands of Tibetans had been starved, beaten, killed. What huge karmic sin he gathered to act as he did. With him before me, I prayed for his sins to be cleared. But I was never able to be free of my anger. As soon as I stopped, it all came back. Oh, wow. Days passed by, and she somewhat befriended a guard Uh who helped arrange a meetup with her and her mother, because her mother is still alive. Yeah. Uh, To do this, she was transferred to another prison, closer to where her mother was. Her mother told her that her aunt and grandma died, and it was after a Chinese person found out that they were from a powerful Tibetan family Mm -hmm. and bribed another Tibetan woman who was closer to them to poison their food. And they all ate it, including her mother, but only her mother survived. Oh, gosh. This is so fucked up. Yeah. And sad. Yeah, sorry. For picking it, but bring in the house. I think she's down. <laughs> I think she's. It's a very good story of spirituality, yeah, and like sticking to a cause. And she really like never gave up. I am absolutely floored by her, just by her dedication to what she fucking believes in, mm-hmm. and and how it helped her. Yeah, yeah. You know? I can't even imagine being alone for days or weeks let alone months and just being there with your fucking thoughts Mm -hmm. and this cycle of like meditation depression anger self-awareness of this anger and trying to actively think past it and like meditate on it and use all of her skills Mm -hmm. just to like This vicious cycle of just your brain going round and round and round. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. Please continue. Yes, yes, yes. So she was able to meet up with her mother in while she was imprisoned. And in the arms of her mother, she said, quote, There will be a time when I get out of prison. I will come find you. And when I do, I will feed you and care for you. I will bring you the warmest clothes to wear. I will feed you the best food. You will never go hungry again. Yeah. And her mother, it's not a not an exact quote at this point, but she said, like, I'm going to go get you some butter so that you can eat and you won't be hungry. Mm-hmm. But before she can return back, she had to be rushed out because obviously. Yeah. 
And sadly, those were their last words to each other. Oh, no. Yeah. She spent a year at this prison now. Mm-hmm. This specific one. She's obviously been around in, in prison for much longer. Yeah. Um, and then in 1965, she was moved to another prison. They oh, love Lord. moving her around. She says this one was the worst one. Mm-hmm. And she was forced to wear, like, a Chinese uniform. She was forbidden from speaking Tibetan, from praying, from practicing Tibetan customs. And she was there for 11 years. 11 years? On top of the time she already was imprisoned. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In 1976, Mao Zedong died, and shortly after, she was transferred to another prison. (laughs) Around this time, she learned news that her mother had also passed away and left her three bags of barley and a red shirt because she didn't want her daughter to be cold. I can't. This is fucking breaking my heart into pieces. I'm sorry. Her biography is called Sorrow Mountain. Fuck me! (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel is... Well, it's fucking spot on, isn't it? It's where we are right now. This, we are living on Sorrow Mountain during this story. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I think, and it's just me f- trying to find, like, the sweet things yeah. in this. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. So the red shirt was, like, even more important to uh-huh. her because she was being forced. Well, the Tibetan clothes that she had come in were, like, destroyed, obviously, mm-hmm. all this time. And so she was wearing a black Chinese uniform. Yep. And wearing the color black is very, like, frowned upon mm-hmm. in Tibetan culture. So getting something, like, of color from her mother that's mm-hmm. warm and comforting, that's Aww. very nice. I love they, that. They clearly loved each other and were a big support to one another. But yet we don't get to know her goddamn name. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> <laughs> She's clearly an important fucking figure in her life, and, and but but she doesn't get to be... <laughs> yeah and i'm i didn't read the autobiography and mm-hmm. i'm assuming it's named in there yeah but the fact that nobody who has put this information online and yeah to other people uh-huh they just casually left that out mm-hmm. picking what's important and the fact that yep. her mother's name was not important do better <laughs> after all this come on so mao zedong died and Tension between Tibet and China was cooling down at this point. It's still a big topic today. Obviously, this wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But less on the surface. Mm -hmm. And they began releasing the many Tibetans that they had in captivity. In 1981, she was finally released. Oh, my gosh. After 21 years. 21 years. Mm -hmm. And she was 48 years old. Christ. She didn't do anything. She she's she's trying to fucking like peacefully just go about her life and then fucking chaos erupted and she was like, well, okay then. Yeah, it's very sad mm-hmm. with war and the casualties are not usually the people who are advocating for the violence. Yep. And that is very sad. It is. Upon her release, she was alone and decided to take this time to complete a pilgrimage, visiting monasteries all around Tibet. However, many of these monasteries were destroyed in the mm-hmm. Cultural Revolution. So she was going places where she knew there were monasteries, and then they, like, weren't there. And then there was rubble. Yeah. She spent eight months, the longest period of time during her pilgrimage, at the Saimi Monastery, where she learned the Buddhist practice of Chutlen. Which is, from what I understand mm-hmm. from my readings on the internet, is a rejuvenation practice. Oh. So she's spending a lot of time trying to get her essence back. Yes. Is what it was, like, sort of described as. Um, so She's getting her groove back. Yeah. And it gets her groove back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch that movie. <laughs> Still, again, very sad. Yeah. <laughs> Very depressing movie. <laughs> the title doesn't match at all the story. <laughs> After a lonely year of traveling, she returned to her hometown and continued to support Tibetan independence. Uh-huh. So she was like, okay, had my time, recovered. So she's supporting the cause for Tibetan independence. Uh-huh. Finding basically everything she knows, like, gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used 
the time and the space of the rejuvenation and being back at home to organize peaceful demonstrations against Chinese occupation. She advertised and participated in three notable demonstrations before fleeing to India. The September 27th and October 1st demonstrations of 1987 (laughs) um, and the March 5th demonstration of 1988. By 1988, she realized that she was in danger of being re-imprisoned. Yeah. Because she heard the whispers on the wind. Yeah. And so she was like, no, not a fan of that. (laughs) (laughs) I got a GTG. (laughs) So she fled on foot to Nepal. Once in Nepal, she was airlifted. (laughs) to India, where she fulfilled her lifelong dream of meeting the Dalai Lama. Oh, wow. And I assume that he granted an audience with her because he was like, yeah, you're kind of great. And you've been doing a lot of things. And so I should probably say thank you. That's what I like to imagine. Yeah, sure. At this point, she settled in a nunnery in India and... This is when she started dictating her life story. Mm. In 2000, she came to the United States with her book, Sara Mountain, The Journey of a (laughs) Tibetan Warrior Nun. And although her years of imprisonment had begun to take a toll on her health, her spirit remained strong. Yeah, it did. Quote, my mission is to tell the world about what is happening in Tibet. So she, damn, to the end, was for this cause. Yeah. She took part in Tibetan freedom marches all over Europe and the U.S., taking several opportunities to speak to the U.S. Congress about Tibetan independence. In 2002, she passed away from heart failure at the age of 69, which... Mm. 69? That's a fun age to die. (laughs) Was that fucked up? (laughs) (laughs) She she did it. She did it. You know what? Silver lining. We just, we got to find it in this sad, sad story. Yeah. I, typing all of this, I was very sad last night. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, she died at age 69. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a child. Uh, (laughs) At the end of her book, she writes of her life, quote, as for me, the story will go like this. She led her people to fight against the Chinese. She was present at the protests in Lysa. She worked to save the ancient spiritual teachings. When I die, just my story will be left. That's fucking beautiful and heartbreaking. Yeah, that's... But damn, that is some stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> yeah, she is... And wow. I'm, I'm going to read one more quote. I put this okay. down here as a like, eh, if I'll slip it in somewhere if it gets uh-huh. brought up. But now I'm just going to do it. Do it. Um, So she often remarked, quote, life is impermanent, like lightning in the sky, like dewdrops on the grass. Our loved ones and our wealth last only a fleeting moment. The only changeless truths are the teachings of Buddha. Damn. Yeah. And I think that sort of, I liked that quote for her because it was very much like life is suffering and hers was especially. Yeah. People went out of the way to make her suffer. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know. I'm only here for a little bit and I'm just going to teach forgiveness. Like, I just want yeah. people to be at peace and trying to make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That That's was all. so great. Thank you. Yeah. Damn. That's why I wanted to put her first because now it's your turn to bring this back <laughs> up. We're going up, 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 up. We are. So that's good. You were you were really holding out that I wasn't gonna have a real big bummer today. So yeah, could you imagine? If- oh my gosh, I think we've done that a couple times though, when it was like, well, that was canister, and mine is just gonna go down from here. <laughs> Okie dokie. Okay, so here we are again. Last episode, I told you all about oh, yes. how many times I've watched In the Heights <laughs> and how obsessed I am with it. And also told you that from the list of Latin women that we're supposed to know the names of or that in the movie are very important and they talk about. I picked two of them. So I talked about Dolores Huerta mm-hmm. last week. This week, you know how much I love drama. I love theater. You and love 
being the enemy of the average. I love being the enemy of the average. I love everything that's a little over the top and extra. And so this woman is, she's a real firecracker. And I, <laughs> I really, really love her. So today I'm going to talk to you about Rita Moreno. Okay. Okay. Peabot? Um, Peabot? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's Pe- right. That's Pe- right, girl. <laughs> Peabot is the Portland Bureau of Transportation. <laughs> it is not that. <laughs> and it is not. Yes. But yes, you're correct. Okay. So Rita Moreno was born Rosa Dolores Alvario Marcano on December 11th, 1931 in Umacao. Umacao. I had to write it phonetically because I tried to ask Danny how to say it. And then I Googled it and it's, it's Umacao. Mm-hmm. I think Puerto Rico. Okay. It's Puerto Rican. Her mother, Rosa Maria was a seamstress and her father, Francisco Jose was a farmer. So when she was five years old, her mother took Rita and moved to New York city because that's what's up. <laughs> In the heights. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Puerto Rico in the 1930s. It's not great. Mm-hmm. So her mother was like, I'm out of here. Also, I think her husband, I mean, was things were not great. So mm-hmm. he, she left him and they had a son. And so the son stayed with their father. She moved to New York City and grew up living in Spanish Harlem. Rita's mother held down multiple jobs at once to afford dance lessons for her little girl. Aww. Fun fact, her dance instructor was a Spanish dancer known as Paco Cancino, and he was an uncle to Rita Hayworth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so when she was 11 years old, she kind of got into the biz by doing voice work for Spanish language versions of American oh. films, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. By the time she was 13, she had her first Broadway role as Angelina in a play called Sky Drift. Hmm. And this, of course, caught the attention of Hollywood talent scouts. <laughs> so by the age of 17, she is whisked away to Hollywood and that's when they were like, well, we're not calling you Rosa. Bitch. Rita. That's <laughs> that's the biz. That's yeah. what's up. And Moreno was her mother's second husband's last name. So okay. she adopted his surname and just went by that. So okay. they dropped Rosa. She became Rita Moreno. I really don't like hearing about Hollywood people who have to change their name to yeah. be like anglicized. Yep. And it happens so often so off now yeah today still yeah yep the uh and i'm forgetting his name now levi was talking to me about the other day because we watched the psych movie together levi uh-huh. is my roommate and the main character in that show uh-huh just started adding rodriguez back to his name really mm-hmm. there was an article that levi had read about it he was talking to me about where he was like this was a big choice for him to keep the family mm-hmm. name and I fight against. Fucking love that. Yeah. Like it is your name is so much. It's so much a part of you. Mm-hmm. And even when people get like it's one thing to go to Hollywood and have somebody go. Mm, nobody can pronounce that. Nobody can spell that. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. So we need to make it easy. Mm-hmm. We need to make it more white. Mm-hmm. But even when you get married. Mm-hmm. If that's your choice to take your spouse's name, yeah, is entirely your choice. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. For me, it would be like, well, if I was, it would be hyphenated because Cassie Cobb. Mm-hmm. It's been my name for so long, and to not be called yeah. that and have to like lose that. Not you're not losing that part of your identity, but it's something that I'm attached to. Yeah, it's like changing the identity of you yeah and if you have obviously people have the choice right yep yep. because people have stage names all all the time but specifically in this case it's just anglicizing a name Mm -hmm. for the sake of white (laughs) culture exactly (laughs) it's a terrible practice can we fucking stop this please yes thank you 
All right. Okay. Well, it's done now. Done. We did it. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> okay. So she's in Hollywood. She's an adult mm-hmm. now, you know, shortly after she got there. And Rita's film career began in the latter years of the golden age of Hollywood. So this is all 50s into the 60s is like the golden age. Mm-hmm. She acted steadily in films throughout the 1950s, usually in small roles. <laughs> Just to name a few, which some of these are great. The Toast of New Orleans. The Fabulous Senorita. Garden of Evil and Latin Lovers, to name just a few. So we see a trend mm-hmm. happening, happening <laughs> yeah. here, right? Right. And then in 1952, she appeared in the musical comedy film Singing in the Rain with Debbie Reynolds and Gene Kelly, which is great. Mm-hmm. She plays a silent film star named Zelda. Oh. And she, I was reading an interview that she did, and she liked this role. Because this was the first time that she was, like, a character, a point in the plot line, and not just, like, you know, Latin sex kitten mm-hmm. kind of vibe. She was a character, not a caricature. Oh, very good. <laughs> I probably took that from somewhere. I like that. <laughs> I like it. Speaking of which, in March of 1954, Rita was featured on the cover of Life magazine. Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But the caption said, Rita Moreno, an actress's catalog of sex and innocence. Ugh. So, first of all, gross. Let's not put those two words together mm-hmm. ever. I but mean, also, yeah. fucking really time? You don't have anything more to say about her than her catalog of sex? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> do better. Anyway. So, Rita's life, especially her love life, was a hot goss all over town. Just some things that I thought was interesting. In 1954, she was involved in assaulting two six-foot-tall policemen. She's 5'2", by the way. <laughs> a whole foot taller than her. Yeah, basically. Um, this happened during a marijuana bust at the home of her boyfriend, who was the meatpacking heir, Jordy Hormel. <laughs> oh, yeah, Hormel. <laughs> Yeah, he's in charge of them little sausages <laughs> that we all eat. Them little smokies. Yep. And he's getting a, a little smoky. Oh! <laughs> oh, that was good, Keeks. She also dated Marlon Brando, which was a Ooh. shitty, shitty relationship. Oh, bad. Yeah, bad. And also Elvis Presley. Oh, my God. Um, but she spilled the tea and said that he was not good in bed. <laughs> 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 Which, I don't know about you, but the way he moves them hips, you'd think he'd be good at what he was doing, but not so mm. much, according to Rita. And I trust her. I trust her, too. Yeah. What does she have to gain from that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, as one would expect, Rita didn't love <laughs> most of her early film work, as she felt the roles she was given were always super stereotypical. One exception during this time was her supporting role in the film version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's The King and I. You look like you're... I'm loading. You're... <laughs> the circle of doom is still spinning. <laughs> I, was... I know what that is, but I have I don't know. Okay. Oh, so what I mean to say is I don't know what that is. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, okay, okay. <laughs> it's a musical, right? In the film, she plays Tup Tim, who is a slave brought from Burma... To be one of the king's junior wives. Okay. Okay. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, she's also not Burmese. <laughs> she's not. She's not Burmese, but also this she is... starred alongside Yule Brenner and Deborah Kerr. Deborah Kerr is white and Yule Brenner is Russian. So none of these. <laughs> like, Deborah Kerr is fine. She's supposed to play either an American or a British woman, but mm-hmm. Yule Brenner as the king of oh. Siam. <laughs> Nope. No. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) It's problematic. It is Siam, I think. Yeah. Thailand. It's problematic. It didn't Mm -hmm. really age well, especially looking back and being like, Yule Brenner? Come on. Come on. (laughs) But also, it's just one of those like old classic movies that are Mm -hmm. like, ugh, what a feat for the time. Yeah. One day Hollywood will uh, start. (laughs) We'll get there. Maybe someday. Maybe. (laughs) 
The King and I received nine Academy Award nominations, and it landed five wins. Mm. So it was a good year for The King and I. Yeah. In 1961, Rita landed what I think is her most important role, the role of Anita in the film adaptation of Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim's groundbreaking Broadway musical, West Side Story. <laughs> I know that one. Which, <laughs> which is being redone. And I'm so excited. <laughs> I think, I think it comes out in September. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it comes out in September. Maybe next year. But I'm very excited about it. Rita Moreno is going to be in it. Oh, really? I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's nice. It, that feels very full circle. It does. It sure the I'm, hell does. I'm sure it was on purpose. December 10th? Oh, shit. All right. That's going on the calendar, too. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen is also on the calendar because that's coming out soon. Oh. I'm losing my mind. It is a great year for musicals <laughs> being turned into movies. It's the musical revival year. Fucking yes. This is what I've lived for. <laughs> You've been waiting your whole life. <laughs> Truly. Okay, so Anita in West Side Story, she is amazing. She fucking steals the show as far as I'm concerned. So Anita, <laughs> this is interesting. Rita plays Anita mm -hmm. in the film adaptation. Mm -hmm. And another lady on the list, on the important ladies list from In the Heights is Cheetah Rivera. Mm -hmm. And Cheetah Rivera was the original Anita on Broadway. Oh. So they're playing the same characters, both fucking incredibly, incredibly talented women. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Rita's performance as Anita won her the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, girl. Mm -hmm. After winning the Oscar, Rita thought she would be able to continue to perform in less stereotypical film roles. <laughs> But she was disappointed. <laughs> this is a quote from her. It says, ha ha, I showed them. I didn't make another movie for seven years after winning the Oscar. Before West Side Story, I was always offered the stereotypical Latina roles. The Conchitas and Lolitas in Westerns. I was always barefoot. It was humiliating, embarrassing stuff. But I did it because there was nothing else. After West Side Story, it was pretty much the same thing. Lots of gangs. <laughs> And I was like, fuck, man, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. I love that she didn't make a movie for seven years, though. Yeah. Yep. What a big F you. Exactly. So Rita took some time away from Hollywood after West Side Story and her win. In 1965, Rita married her manager, who also happened to be a cardiologist. And his name is what? Leonard Gordon. <laughs> You're not going to breeze over that. <laughs> Give me a second to... Th <laughs> oh, wait, wait. He stole her heart. Because he's a cardiologist. And then... <laughs> and then he cared for it. Literally. <laughs> that was dumb. I'm sorry. I liked it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you for letting me freak out a little because that was weird. Danny and I mutually made a face and you just kept you trudging forward. <laughs> well, I, I almost didn't put it in because I was like... Who cares? She married the guy. But then <laughs> she spent, I mean, she was married to him from 1965 until he died in 2010. Oh. So it was a long ass relationship. He did care for her heart. He did. Oh. <laughs> and together they had a daughter named Fernanda, who they called Nandy. And I thought that was really cute. I was like, that's adorable. Mm -hmm. All right. So not only was Rita prolific in tv and movies mm -hmm. for 70 years of her life she has also been performing on the stage for over 50 years including roles that she did for the vagina monologues hmm. she was in a female version of the odd couple which i thought was really fun there's a show called the sign in sydney brewstein's window don't know what that is there's a show called the ritz which apparently is set in a gay bathhouse and i was like that sounds like a fun show <laughs> it's like a campy musical and i was like maybe we should revive it call me crazy i think it's the perfect time for that <laughs> yeah the revival of the ritz are you kidding mm -hmm. it just rolls off the tongue 
gay bathhouse? I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. And she was also in The Last of the Red Hot Lovers. So I'm telling you, she's a sex kitten. She has been her whole life. Obviously, she's more than that. We believe she's more than that. <laughs> but Hollywood has often treated her as such. Women are complicated. Women are complex. Yes. They can be sex kittens, but they're not only sex kittens. That's right. They're, they're, Thank that's you. That's my stance. Thank you for Kiana coming to for our president. TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we both went big on that one. TED Talk yeah. and presidency. <laughs> All right. So from 1971 to 1977, Rita was a main cast member on the PBS children's series called The Electric Company. Which hey you guys That's exactly it. That's it. Holy shit. I didn't have cable growing up. I watched PBS all the fucking time. Yes you did. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I literally have her opening line was Hey you guys <laughs> Which is what Sloth fucking yells in the Goonies as well. Huh? Just like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I saw the look of like, huh, on Danny's face when you said that. <laughs> I didn't realize she was in Electric yeah. Company. Yep. Wow. She also played a little girl named Pandora and Otto, who is a, a hot-tempered engineer or something like that. Mm-hmm. She had a bunch of, you know, roles that she played in this variety show. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cute. Yeah. And because of the Electric Company, in 1972, she received a Grammy Award for Best Children's Album. Oh. Yeah. Yes. That's how she got the G. That's how she got the big G. So. And then, Rita's appearance. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I love that we were just talking about a children's television show and then went right to (laughs) G-Spot. Things get weird here, guys. Rita's appearance on The Muppet Show, which is a great episode, earned her a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Individual Performance in a Variety or Music Program in 1977. That's cool. So, so far, we've got the Emmy, Mm -hmm. the Grammy, the Oscar. And the Tony. We haven't gotten to the Tony yet. I'm going to get oh, there okay. in a second. We're she got, I'm sorry. She got... When did she get the Tony? Oh, no, <laughs> I don't know. You take that out? You tell me when she got the Son Tony. Son of a bitch. She got a Tony for being in the Ritz. The one in the gay bathhouse. Oh! Yeah. I was moving a lot of things around because I was like, I don't know where to put all this information. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want it to just sound like her IMDB credits. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Yeah, I was right. She got the Tony Award in 1975 um, for her role as a featured actress in a play. Mm-hmm. And that's when she got her Tony. For so, the Ritz. She's got, for the Ritz. So she's got the EGOT. Hold on, I have to get back to my notes. Where am I? All right. So Rita has achieved what is called the Triple Crown of Acting, which means she's won an Academy Award, an Emmy Award, and a Tony Award. This is all individual competition. Mm-hmm. So you can't be like, oh, I have an EGOT if you got a Grammy for like sound production. You know what I mean? Uh, like it has to be. It has to be acting. It has to be like, well, hold on. Let me. <laughs> Are you making up rules? Are you saying no. sound? No, you no, saying no. sound people can't? <laughs> That's a direct attack on Danny. No, 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 no. So <laughs> we're talking the... into her microphones, and you're saying <laughs> the Grammy isn't even part of the triple crown of acting because it's not part of the acting bit. Individual competitive, like you have to win, like best supporting actress mm-hmm. or like best male lead or whatever. Yeah. Like it has to be in one of those categories. Yeah, not just like you get the Tony Award for. Like, if the musical you were in got a Tony. Exactly. That doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. It has to be specifically. And this is just to win the triple crown of acting. And she nailed it like a goddamn boss. (laughs) Okay. So, as a result of all these wins, she became the third person to have gotten the the whole EGOT. Mm -hmm. Okay. She was the first person of color to have achieved all of these things. 
Oh, hell yeah. Which is fucking cool. Yeah. All right. Where am I? She did all these films. She did all of her stage work. Mm-hmm. In addition, she's doing a whole lot of TV. So she was a regular on the three-season network show, 9 to 5, which is just a, a, a sitcom based on the movie. Oh, wow. Which I've never seen, but it sounds like a good old-fashioned good time. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Gonna have to find that. That was during the early 80s. She has also made numerous guest appearances on TV shows like The Love Boat, George Lopez, The Golden Girls, and Miami Vice. Oh. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Also, The Nanny. Which we talked about earlier. We did talk about that earlier. She's Maggie's gym coach who terrorizes her. Okay. And so, but then also Fran remembers Rita Moreno as her gym coach, but she goes by a different name. So it's like, is she the same person? And we just don't know. Is she going by a secret name or is Fran just like really traumatized (laughs) and imagines Maggie's gym coach as her terrible gym coach? We never really find out. (laughs) She's actually in a witness protection. (laughs) Exactly. So this one was fun. I did not know this. But during the mid 90s, when you were born (laughs) and when Danny and I were watching Saturday morning cartoons, Mm -hmm. Rita was the voice of Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Where on earth is Carmen Sandiego? Rita Moreno was the voice of Carmen Sandiego in her sassy red hat and coat. I love me some Carmen Sandiego. God, so good. That's cool. (sighs) Okay, I'm finding out through this that Rita really had a... <laughs> she sure did, and you didn't even know it. I didn't even know. How about that? I'm it's, a f- fucking it's idiot. so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> and then in the late 90s, she played the role of Sister Pete, who was a nun trained as a psychologist in the HBO series Oz, which is set... It's a prison drama. And for that, she won several Alma Awards. And I forgot to look at what that was. <laughs> We're good at this. Yeah, we are. Somebody Google it. Lerf, can you tell me what an ALMA award is? ALMA stands for American Latino Media Arts Award. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so she won several of those ALMA awards for her work on Oz. It's a really great show. This is the most recent thing that I have seen Rita Moreno in, and she's fucking amazing. She plays the matriarch of a Cuban-American family in the Netflix sitcom One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time is a great show. Yeah. We love it. I've watched it several times. You have recommended it to Mm -hmm. me several times. She's so funny. The whole show is just driven by Rita Moreno. I need to watch it. Mm -hmm. I have so much to watch. Yeah, that that is a problem. Okay, we're wrapping her wrapping her up here. Okay, I already told you that she's gonna be in the twenty twenty one adaptation of West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Full circle. Full circle. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. She has over seventy years experience of acting, singing, and dancing, Whoa. and over a hundred and sixty just IMDb credits to her name. Jeez Louise. That's not including the shows that she's been in on Broadway or music, you know, that she's put out or been featured on. So she's she's a busy lady. She's a working gal. She is. Yeah. She's getting shit done. Dang. In 2017, she and others contributed to Lin-Manuel Miranda's single, Almost Like Praying. And this was like a humanitarian effort. Mm-hmm. And proceeds from the song went to the Hispanic Federation's Unidos Disaster Relief Program to benefit those who had been affected by Hurricane Maria mm-hmm. that devastated Puerto Rico. Yeah. And that the U.S. government did not provide. Oh, that's oh, that's right. To. That's when we threw paper towels. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was going to fix the disaster relief. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, Rita has won numerous honors in addition to her EGOT wins. Mm-hmm. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by oh. George W. Bush. 
mm-hmm. in 2002. <laughs> and then I put da 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 da. I emoji. <laughs> I emoji. Bush apparently also awarded one to Bill Cosby and Nancy Reagan the same year. So <laughs> not all of our choices are great, but Rita Moreno fucking deserves it because she's amazing. Yeah. She's the only one who's to this day still deserves it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> because she's a decent human being. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he had no um decision in picking her. He picked the other two. <laughs> Probably Nancy Reagan, absolutely. Oh. He was like, Oh, you're like my Aunt Nancy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In 2009, President Barack Obama presented her with the National Medal of Arts. She has also received a Golden Globe Award. She is a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And she's been inducted into the California Hall of Fame. Damn. Every award. Yeah, every, she's, every, just she's like, got everything. Yeah. She's just like, give it. Basically. <laughs> yeah. In 2013, she received the Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, which was presented to her by Morgan Freeman, which oh. I just thought was lovely. <laughs> in 2015, she was awarded a Kennedy Center Honors Lifetime Artistic Achievement Award for her contribution to American culture through performing arts. She was also awarded the Peabody Career Achievement Award in 2019, making oh. her one of only five people... And one of only two women who have earned the coveted PGOT. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And she's also the only woman of color. Mm-hmm. The only person of color to have a PGOT. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Also, I didn't know this, but you could get a PGOT. The P mm-hmm. can stand for a Peabody Award mm-hmm. or for a Pulitzer Prize. Oh. I did not know that. But I, I learned her. that. I want her to win a Pulitzer Right? And then so she'll she be could a... be a pagot. Yeah. Papigot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like a pa cookie. Explain. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. I got a cookie today from Crumble. This is not an ad, but they're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. And it's a banana cream pie cookie. And so I was like, it's a pie cookie. It's a pa cookie. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's okay. where that came from. <laughs> okay. I said it like four times in the car on the way home with it, <laughs> you know, and I was cookie. I thought it was real funny. So that's where I'm at today. Okay. Wait, you get your joy, girl. Thank you. <laughs> She's re- She received the Library of Congress Living Legends Award. She has an honorary doctorate of music from Berkeley College of Music. And she was given the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. Oh, I thought that was that one. I was like, these are all really cool, but that one's fucking rad. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So like I was telling you before, there is a documentary Mm -hmm. coming out. It come when you're listening to this. (laughs) It came out on June 18th Mm -hmm. of this year. So in the time space continuum, I cannot watch it Mm -hmm. yet because that's where we are but by the time this does come out i will have watched it and shared it a bunch because it looks really good it's called rita moreno just a girl who decided to go for it love that such a good title i also love hearing about women who are getting their flowers while they're still alive yes it's a nice story to hear Mm -hmm. about a woman who is so successful and so recognized for her work absolutely the documentary for dolores too mm-hmm. it was it's another woman who is like you said getting her flowers while she's still alive she's getting this acknowledgement of like holy fucking shit you're changing the world mm-hmm. by through whatever whether it be your activism or your incredibly powerful acting mm-hmm. skills and using that as a way to move the culture fucking forward mm-hmm the but, desire for more. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's just really lovely that both of these women will have been able to see this culmination, this mm-hmm. life story of theirs. Be like, that's fucking right. That's me. I did yeah. that. Yeah. Ugh, it's so great. Yeah. And to be featured in a movie like In the Heights. Yes. 
False. Like getting their names. Oh my god! Like she, yeah, and she's an executive producer on it too. Oh, so. well, that's why she's in it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but because when you have successful people supporting the voices of people like them, that's right. Beautiful art gets made. Ain't that the goddamn truth? Mm-hmm. And that's all. That's it. That's that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. That was a good way to end. That's what it I was, was banking on. I was like, you know, I hope Cassie's doing some good vibes tonight. Yeah. I think what we should all do after this episode is, like, we should all meditate for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, and channel some of that warrior nun energy mm-hmm. into, like, bringing some peace to ourselves. But then also, like, let's fucking listen to some salsa. Ooh, yeah. And some, a little merengue. And... Well, let's get mindful and center ourselves. Okay. And then... Which is the meditating. Yes. And then we'll go party. I'm in. Can we do this all the time? That's what we should do. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do Tet Nhat Han breathing meditations with me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I feel very corny when I do it, but okay. This is how I meditate. Okay. And this is how I was taught. And it is for children. Mm-hmm. You breathe in. Breathe in with me. I am a flower. I am a flower. Breathe out. I feel fresh. I feel fresh. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. And you do that three times, and then there's a few other... If anybody's interested. <laughs> I like it. That's fun. I do like... I've been trying to get into the meditation game. Oh, that's very cool. So let's do it. And then you'll get okay. into extra partying. Yes. So I'll get everybody down. Yep. <laughs> you'll get them real centered. Mm-hmm. You're good at that. Mm-hmm. Mindful. We're in the moment. Uh-huh. And then we're going to party in the moment. I'm going to get them real hyped. Yeah. Real hyped. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I took a Tai Chi class? No. I did. How was it? It was great. I love Tai Chi. I would love to do Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. I've had an interest in Tai Chi since, speaking of public television, <gasps> PBS. Yes. Oh, what the fuck was the show called? Fuck. It was the Siamese Cats. The sh- it was an animated show about yeah! the Siamese cats. And there they- were two of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They did Tai Chi. Really? And so as a child, it was ingrained in my brain that Tai Chi is calming as fuck. Yeah. I only like cats that do Tai Chi. <laughs> That's find a- fair. Find a cat that does Tai Chi. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. Should we wrap this up? You, you do the socials. Okay. You can follow us on Twitter at Broads Got Moxie or on Instagram at and Facebook at that broads get moxie. And you should email us any of your stories or suggestions or just like reach out and say, hey, mm-hmm. what's going on? At our email address, which is that broads got moxie at gmail.com. And, and if you would do us the great favor, the honor, truly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Yes. We'd much, much appreciate it. We would love that. It, it helps us. It lets us know that you like us. If you don't <laughs> like us, maybe you can just move along. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Mm. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye now. Oh, I went, re- I went deeper. <laughs> Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.